Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Season 1, episode 11 of Six Feet Under. The trip is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, it's the Six Feet Under podcast where we are revisiting the critically acclaimed HBO series episode by episode. My name is Ariel, and today we're going to take a trip. And I am joined by my co-host, Dr. Amanda, a.k.a. Jasmine Brecker, who is either a federal judge or a sex surrogate. She hasn't decided yet. What's up, Amanda? That was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Say, I was going to say I'm either a federal judge or a sex surrogate. Um, I'm I'm doing I'm doing great, Ariel. Um, I did look up sex surrogacy and it is in fact. So for people who don't know, a sex surrogate is a therapeutic practice designed to help a person become more comfortable with sex. Teach them. Teach mm-hmm. them. Doctor. <laughs> I think it's a very I think that's a very good job for Brenda. I think that's her calling. Yeah, she seems like toxically sex positive enough that mm. she yeah. she actually makes me very uncomfortable with sex so maybe not <laughs> but that's just me it could just be it's the effect probably, that she has I on think me she made Ruth pretty uncomfortable with sex too oh yeah she I feel like she's probably made almost every single cast member or every single character uh uncomfortable but um yeah, I am never uncomfortable when I am joined by you here to talk about this show that we love so much. And if you want to make sure you catch all of the episodes, make sure to subscribe to postshowrecaps.com slash six feet under for your podcast catchers. Search Show Recaps six feet under in general. You'll find it. It's there. I know it's there. I've seen it. It is it. there. Six it's like Vegas. I've under... never been, but I've seen. Oh it. yeah, I've never been to Vegas either. I'm excited to get into everything we don't know about Vegas, but I do know <laughs> that the Six Feet Under podcast feed is does exist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we haven't been to Vegas, but we've taken trips. Uh, mm-hmm. How did you feel about this trip that they took? Um, this is this is a fun episode. Like, I don't think I I was actually a few weeks ago. I was thinking, ooh, I should go back and rank all my episodes because I definitely have some that stand out, I think as being great this season. I think this was like a middle of the pack episode for me. Um, It is um, it's fun to see um, David and Nate at a professional conference. I go to a lot of these professional conferences, Mm -hmm. not the, I was looking for you in the background. (laughs) Um, So I, I thought that this was interesting to see them in this context. Uh, You know, we get obviously more of the Billy plot line. Um, the death this episode was, oof, this was a really tough one. This is not one. I mean, you and I have talked about it before, you know, how much we, we've we seen the show and remember and obviously love it. This is not one that I remembered. And I, you know, obviously the, the Gabe's brother stands out because yeah. that's like so horrific. This one is obviously 
equally horrific in some ways, maybe not as gruesome, but certainly emotionally just like a horrible, horrible gut punch. And this is yeah. not one that I remember. So as soon as the episode started, I'm like, no, please. No, oh, it's such a horror. Um, And, you know, like my um, my my youngest right now is six. My kids are nine and six. And I have to say, like, I feel like this is the kind of thing that like within a few years of either mm-hmm. of my kids being born, it was like it, it it was it was really hard to watch, but it would have been like impossible to watch. And I was watching this with my husband. And he was just like, no, 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 no. no. It, it's um, it's it, it, like and obviously like this is not a terribly rare occurrence so it's like it's it was really heartbreaking and you know like we love the rico character and seeing everything that he's going through in this this was this was a tough one but thankfully we get like a happy ending for rico and his family by the end of the episode yeah i have to say i i have never um i feel like this this early on in 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 uh in the series like rico is at times a little bit like underserved whether it's mm-hmm. n- not always the character although i think you can make that argument but certainly the the way um they treat the way like the fishers treat him as we've already talked about but um this was definitely my favorite rico episode so far mm-hmm. and like his performance uh freddie rodriguez is like incredible and like i to your point a little bit certainly being older now and like understanding Mm -hmm. more of the um emotions and like uh feelings of mortality that that rico is obviously feeling in this in this moment it was like it really hit me hard and i was like not expecting um yeah i mean his reaction hit me hard obviously like i was already relating to the horrible death but the yeah. re- seeing it through Rico's eyes especially was like really powerful and I think like a really wise um, mm-hmm. lens to give us to view this death through, especially because it's like compounded by the fact that he has to do it all alone and they leave. Yeah. Everybody else just yes. leaves. Yeah, yeah. And at some point he says like that he hasn't had to prepare a baby since Julio was born. Yeah. So it's like David, you know, has done that. And it's, you know, and I and I think it really like, you know, obviously the first time I watched this, I wasn't a parent, but like being able to relate so much to that like terror of how vulnerable life is, like in the, you know, you know, prenatally and then perinatally. And then like even having up to that whole first year, you're just acutely aware of like anytime I like leave this baby or do this the wrong way, like the baby could, it's just such an abject terror. And to see Rico going through that. And I even remember like having my second and thinking, well, I already had this like healthy baby like am I just gambling and going for this again and like you know so I could Mm. really relate to like everything that Rico was experiencing here and then also like the concern over Vanessa but also it like being her body and her choices so it's like this extra layer of helplessness that he has it was it was a lot and I you know and I agree that I think that um Freddie Rodriguez does such a good job. He's like just so compelling and relatable and he's somebody that we care about and root for. Um, So it was, it was hard to see this, him go through this. And then like just the kind of having just within the span of a couple of episodes, 
a six-year-old die and then an infant die. It was just like, come on, six feet under. Give me a give me an emotional breath here to like recover. save it. Save it for next season. Like maybe you put that one back in the bag. Yeah. We don't need that. Oh, I will say though, I was watching um I watched the the closing credits from episode 10 before episode 11 started. Mm-hmm. And um the cre- and I this this character had a name, the death from last week, the annoying husband. He was credited as annoying guy, even though he clearly had a name in the last episode. Yeah, justice for the non-named characters. Gabe got one. Why not this guy? What was uh What was Gabe's original name? It was like a. Uh, oh, uh, it was Bird, like meth boyfriend. Meth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about the the Rico and Vanessa of it all, especially mm-hmm. in that scene they share. But before that, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mm. Let's do the quick plot recap. And then we can, then we have the freedom to just leave yeah, the business we, we, and go to Vegas. <laughs> oh my gosh. What if we did that, Ariel? What if instead of doing the podcast, we just went on the road, we recorded wow. it all on my phone. And then we could do like an, like a, a voiceover video where we, wow. t- where we like basically pod after the fact, mini pod, and then mm-hmm. create like, a video what the kids would call pro- probably a reel or Ooh, a, or a tick or an overly long TikTok. um a whole new direction for a whole new direction for us for us <laughs> i love this for us um okay episode 11 the trip directed by michael engler written by rick cleveland Ooh, wrong city um okay here we go <laughs> Uh, this is this is the brutal the brutal line that the uh, the father of of the baby says. How can the beginning and end be so close together? Wise words from uh, oh, that's what actually what Rico says. Wise words from Rico, who is put in the impossible position of restoring the body of the three week old baby. His professional and private life intersect as his wife has to get an emergency C section, but thankfully, baby Augusto seems to be okay. Yay! That means. Uh, I think there's an August word in there. I don't know. I'm using my Spanish hat. It's fine. Uh, While Rico holds down the business, David and Nate are off to Vegas for a funeral director's conference. Brenda tags along to avoid dealing with her family drama, classic Brenda, and also because she loves Vegas because it's the most artificial place on earth. David, stepping in for his late father, makes a rousing speech about the importance of the independent funeral home and how his father was more concerned with comforting people and helping them face loss rather than uh, the more kroner avenue of uh, worrying about the bottom line. After calling out kroner, David is a popular man and gets brought out for a night on the town, which unfortunately ends in him getting arrested for having sex with a sex worker in public. Luckily, he calls a sexy cop named Keith who is there to save the day. David doesn't deserve him. Uh, Nate and Brenda's good time is ruined when Billy shows up after following them to Vegas. This is... um, yeah, this is for sure disturbing. He takes photos of them with Nate's disposable camera. Uh, remember those? No, I don't. Jess is asking me if I remember those. I do. Oh, I'm oh, kidding. I... Of course I do. I was <laughs> I was at a wedding over the weekend and they had one. Um, <laughs> while they're Retro. while they're naked and in bed together. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk about that. Claire finds out that Gabe has been hospitalized for overdosing on speed and heroin. 
she recognizes that this is uh you know a suicide attempt and claire you know tells him so she remains at the hospital at his side and gets him mcdonald's breakfast even if it was cold which you know wow rude to say that uh if this wasn't enough to show how much she cares about him possibly loves him uh they also exchange i love you at the end of the episode Ruth gets told her floral arrangements are sad and funereal. <laughs> Which is a word. I no, it, it is a word. And I remember right before the person said it, I was trying to make the word in my head because I was like, well, what would the adjective be for funeral? And I was like, veneer? And he said, and I'm like, I was close. Um, so she takes a class. I love, uh, I think it's Robbie, right? The, the guy that she works Yeah, with. yeah. She, she takes a class, a, uh, a arrangement class, and learns to breathe from her gut and spends basically the entire episode doing so. She also learns that she's a control freak. Don't, at, don't tell her, though, because she doesn't want to hear it to her face. No idea how it took her this long to figure that out. But you live and you learn. We get to see her frenzied floral arrangement in action. And boom, no more sad flowers. What a trip that we had this episode. Mm. Wow. Do you have diploma from flower school? I loved loved that. (laughs) I can't say that I have. I do not have a diploma from flower. I have very few diplomas full stop, but like certainly not ones from from any flower schools yes. or learning annexes which you know i recommend i recommend people bettering themselves and learning new things so where should we start ariel <sighs> um i don't know i think uh i guess we gotta we gotta discuss the aforementioned trip i feel like mm-hmm. it it uh the titular trip these are are a lot of our main characters are there mm-hmm. on the trip so we can kind of knock all of those out uh at once so to speak Mm -hmm. so this is like the funeral directors association meeting in vegas Mm -hmm. um ariel have you ever gone to a professional conference yes it's been a few years but i've been to a few and i know the dance you and i have talked about this uh you know, in some of some of your conferences, mm-hmm. but I know for me, it's like the dance of like getting up, doing the whole conference thing, whether it's like you're involved in the conference itself, putting it on, or you're just a, you know, a spectator, so to speak, mm-hmm. or a person who's, you know, uh, making connections. And then you go to dinners and those are sometimes, you know, sponsored by people and there are drinks and that turns into a long night and then you get up and you do it all over again. And there's Mm -hmm. just like very tiring dance uh, that you're doing. And And it's all this like hodgepodge of like, oh, we're going out and having fun, but it's still work and networking Mm -hmm. and like and people are like finally out and away from their families. It's exhausting. Out too too late and they drink too much. Mm hmm. And all of that. Um, I've never been to a conference in Vegas. I can only imagine that, that that's insane. Yeah. And to have like, you know, pamphlets uh, with numbers in the back. I feel like that's, you know, probably uh-huh. no longer. Maybe it would be like yeah. Twitter handles and uh, you yeah. know, TikTok. Now you just scan a QR code. Yeah. <laughs> scan a QR card to join the queue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, but uh, this year Nate and David are going um, because 
David is going to make a presentation about the future of the independent funeral home, which sounds very, sounds very important. Um, and Nate just really wants to confront Gilardi. Nate is like been waiting for this his entire life, basically. And um, but he's I got do the love it planned. He's yeah. like he's he's got he found a pat he found a match but matchbook yeah. and he's got a dollar and he mm -hmm. has his opening line all planned out. Mm -hmm. He's got his sideburns and he's ready. That's all. These are all the things he needs. Um, yeah, that's that's fascinating. He gets his like little line in at at uh at uh Gilardi and Gilardi's like oh what uh he's never looked so stupid um but I I love this this idea that like David has this thing hanging over him like it's once again another way in which like Nathaniel Sr. is is uh you know living on through them in a sense or certainly like hanging over David in this case and he feels the responsibility of you know, making this speech at first, I was like, no, David, don't do that. That's a bad idea. You are not compelling at all. When I turned, oh, <laughs> he no. can be, but yeah. I just mean, as far as like the way he presents himself normally mm -hmm. publicly, um, was, is like not always a, a good idea, but you know, it, en it ends up being, uh, a great, a great time, but not for Gilardi who gets called mm -hmm. out in public. Yeah. Nate, Nate couldn't be prouder of his brother. It's so cute. You kicked some serious ass, you big freak. <laughs> You got to throw that in there. <laughs> That's what he says. Um, yeah. Yeah. David goes off script and he basically just calls out Gilardi, who is like, it's, I mean, is Gilardi the only person who works at Kroner? He's such the singular face of all evil in this So many times I almost just called him Kroner, like, yeah. as his name, because, yeah, he's like this, like, monolithic figure in the company. Like, like who it's else just would, him. Yeah, it's just him. Like, and if it's just, if he's the guy, you would think that he would have some other guys who, like, go out and do his bidding. Like, I, I, it's, it's really, it's really very funny how they do that in this show where they have this, like, one person stand in for this whole corporation. But, um, yeah, you know, so David calls out Gilardi. He talks about how his father's approach was, you know, to tell people about the cheaper coffin or even to say to hell with our profit margins on this. Uh, it wasn't about the bottom line. It was about comforting people and helping them face profound loss. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, this is obviously gets like a huge response from the crowd, all of the other Davids of the world who are out there trying to keep their mom and pop funeral homes alive. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone's so impressed with David that they want to take him out for a drink and a night on the town. Yeah. And, and the speech, I was kind of like, where is this going? Oh my God. Are they going to unionize? Like the way it was just like, so impassioned. I was like, yes, David be the, you. and I'm like, I don't remember a union storyline. What? No, I, but it really feels very David topical. is still the boss though. He's the <laughs> boss. Like Rico should unionize and be yes. like, F you, David. I'm, it's true right within the company i was like maybe like they all form some mm -hmm. kind of like funeral home mm -hmm. you know vegas associate or like you know it, it started <laughs> in vegas but whatever their region is to your point about this whole gilardi thing it's like what where is his region is it like just the entire like general three-quarter like, like west portion of the country or is like yeah like does wild. something like this even exist like what's a big funeral like i don't even big know funa. i'm like yeah 
I don't know. Probably. I mean, probably not as simplistic as this, maybe back then. Uh, but who knows if you're if you're a funeral director, write in mm-hmm. um, and also write in if like David is doing it the right the wrong way. Maybe mm-hmm. like maybe they are wrong and Corona's right. Who knows? Uh, I kid. The 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 nate thing i think is very sweet like you said like he gives him a big hug but like also the way he stands and applauds for him yeah, it's just like so sweet he's like he the starts, dad yeah. he's the dad for him that they don't have it's so cute we oh, love them he starts the standing ovation you big freak <laughs> uh so unnecessary but okay <laughs> fine supportive for the most part you did it like 90 percent right david uh nate it's fine and then like you said they take david out and you know i this is uh they go to the very Vegas, I guess. They mm-hmm. go to they go to the strip club and they're like, David, look, we got you this this lap dance. And the the dancer is trying very hard and not getting <laughs> that, nothing to. else is very hard. Yeah. <laughs> nothing else is very um, but I do love like David is like kind of like very like wide-eyed and like game for this. He's like you know, he's like sitting there. He seems to be like kind of delighted by the spectacle. He can appreciate the show, even if it's not, you know, his cup of tea. Yeah, he can appreciate a great outfit. He can mm-hmm. appreciate a person putting an effort. He can appreciate, you know, like you said, the spectacle of it, the lights, the way it's like it is a new experience for him. It seems like for sure. And, you know, I don't think he's ever bothered or no one's ever mm-hmm you know, offer to take him. It doesn't seem like he had this kind of relationship with his dad. Um, So he's just like generally, he's curious in the way like an alien would be down onto earth. And we're like, show me your idiotic customs that you, no judgment, that you, uh, that you perform as a society. And then like, wow, all these lights and, you know, pink floral things that she's wearing on her body you know uh talk about floral (laughs) i I think that this dancer though is like very unprofessional in just like outing him to the whole like rest of his party this is brutal this feels like this feels uh for sure unnecessarily antagonistic like the way that she's kind of getting revenge almost in a way for like wasting her time and even though it wasn't even like who cares like who can like just do the dance you got paid for it it's it's none of my business but you would think that that makes it easier for her in the sense of like yeah maybe she maybe in her mind she's like i'm not gonna continue to get tips from this guy but like as far as putting on a show maybe this is your break you get a break right hear me out you get a real break this is like your mini break you don't have to try as hard you have this customer who like seemingly is appreciating Mm -hmm. like we both said you know the the idea of it the spectacle but like not actually being interested in you isn't that the win and then maybe that what you want and why assume he's not gonna tip like you know he's true you're right like guy like i don't know it's it's uh, very there's lots of guys who get boners who don't tip like i just (laughs) (laughs) one does not preclude the other (laughs) it's awful the way there are a couple of times um that like you know this is this is kind of like david's homosexuality is like weaponized against him in a yeah. in like some way earlier in the episode before he leaves there's a scene with ruth she yeah. sees the guy leave you know she sees the guy leave david's place 
and then she like hoses the guy down, which is Ruth like is seething with hate. Like it's like she has not learned to breathe yet, Ariel. <laughs> yeah. This is very non-breath. Of no, her. no. Um, and then David comes out of the house, and she's like can't even speak to him. And then later on, she you know does this fake I'm gonna bring you laundry dance just to like come into his you know, side shack. What is it? Uh, like I a garage house? Apartment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's right. Side that's right. Shack. <laughs> His den of sin. His den of sin. Proclivity. Uh, the, she goes in there and like, there's the condom wrapper. There's the loop, which like David, just come on, you're going on a trip. Just like put it away. I don't know. I get, but in fairness to him, nobody ever. Yeah. Comes into his yeah, place, yeah. So that's his face. Whatever. But, um, the way and then, then she tries to ask him in that moment and he's like i can't do this right now and full credit to him just mm -hmm. to be like no we're not doing this now like that is a decision that he can make on his own time when he wants to talk about that she already sh i mean look i know she's she's coming from a place of like nosy motherhood but that's yeah. like one, that's not really a thing that you ask. And two, that's definitely not the way that you ask if you're going to. What do you think she's going to ask him here? I mean, it it really felt to me like she was going to ask him if he was gay. Like she oh, needs but to like. But, do, but doesn't she doesn't she know? She that? knows, but she's looking. Okay. I feel like she part of her offense because he's like blatantly in her eyes. He's blatantly like. Now parading yeah. around. I'm using phrases that like she would use. Right. He's blatantly like parading around his lifestyle and like, but keeping her in the dark, even though it is his thing to tell. And now she feels like she has a right to know and she needs like confirmation from him. That's mm. how I took it. Like oh, it's, right, right, it's right. that she she knows slash suspects, slash she's been told, but like if nobody else if the kids are in on it and she doesn't know, she feels like she has the right to know. And she's, she's handling it the completely wrong way because yeah. what she should be doing is like establishing trust with him, make him feel comfortable, make him feel like, you know, you can tell me anything, something like that. But to just kind of almost attack him in this way is like really uncalled for. Right. Like, cause can you remind me? So we know that um, Angela, the new person mm -hmm. from the last episode has, um, you know, has spilled the beans to Ruth that yes. David is gay. Um, but does David doesn't know that Ruth, what Ruth knows right no, now? No, I think he wasn't there in that scene. You know, there was the kitchen scene earlier mm -hmm. before that. It might have even been the same episode where like, she's in the kitchen with the three children and she notices because the camera cuts yes. to her she notices that the kids are using like coded gender yeah, neutral yeah. terms so she's like suspicious and then she's getting the and i'm sure there are things that we haven't even seen along the way that like she's been suspicious of but like it's it's really easy for her to kind of explain away certain things but then confronted like you said with what angela said it's harder for her right. to do that and now she's like needing that and it is a is a selfish thing needing that confirmation for herself him, right and i think so i i had kind of jumped ahead to the that they are it's it's openly known by david and ruth that ruth now knows but you're right that um that that he that she doesn't know that he doesn't know 
that she knows yet. Um, yeah. Although even in this moment, like they're not saying it, but he already knows what she's going to ask. And he's like, we can right. talk about it when I get back from Vegas. And she's like, yeah, that's perfect. We could just talk about it from Vegas. Couldn't be any less chill. Classic, classic. Um, and in the way in which this kind of, again, this is what I was getting at before, the way in like his his sexuality is like kind of weaponized against him or yes. kind of like used against him in these different ways. First, the Ruth thing that happens at the beginning of the episode. Now, this thing with, uh, you know, the, the, the dancer who, like you said, once he reveals that he's gay, she's like, all right, you mind if we keep this one short? And then she just like blurts out to all yeah. those people. He's gay, you idiots, which like half and half like okay the idiots part is right that you would assume but also like why are you outing him and then this the super super tragic part of that scene is when he's they say the guy says uh oh i wish you had told us like she says he's gay you idiots and the other guy like has a reaction and they're like oh well i wish you would have told us that like putting the onus and the right. blame on him to like have to reveal that and like, then like somehow these, like, he has done something wrong with these casual acquaintances and colleagues like this it's is crazy it is crazy and i do feel like i let me know what you think about this because i'm sort of i feel like the show is being a little bit unfair to david like he's like spiraling into like sexual depravity because he's um you know currently um you know he could be after his breakup with Keith like I feel like this show is being a little bit too judgmental that like his behaviors or his sexuality at this point is like actively like harmful or irresponsible like and I know yeah. he's going to end up, you know, with like some, you know, with indecent ex exposure charges at the end of this episode. Oh, but I do, yeah. I do feel like it's like a little bit, I feel like this is a little bit harsh. Like he's between relationships right now. He's like having some casual sex. He's dating around. Like, obviously I think that, that David is still like pretty repressed and that he's not out to his family and even like things like we'll talk about when he meets when he when he calls the escort brad and mm. he doesn't want to go back to his hotel room which is like why not like why yeah. not go back to your private hotel room yeah your private you're, he's like worried he's gonna run he's into worried someone. somebody's gonna see him. so it's like yes it's like that's not great but i do feel like this show is a little bit too harsh and judgmental towards david i think the show is reflecting david's repression back at him in a way like i do think there is this like um when it's when it's all collected like this in one episode it does seem extremely harsh but like at the end of the day i don't want to minimize the amount of you know pressure that david feels the 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 how real and emotional that feels when you have this thing that feels i mean it is a secret right because he's mm -hmm. making it a secret and he has every right to but like he's in a, <clears throat> in a way he's causing it like the yeah. way that he lives his life and these like very rigid lines in which he's trying to stay within are are a lot of what's creating this this situation now of course you could argue it's not him it's society right like he yeah. didn't decide like that these are the social norms but he's trying to live within them and like it's when he's the guy says to him i wish you would have told us that which is like 
absolutely horrible, like the worst thing that that person could have said, because now you're making him feel you've like gone past the point of acceptance. Like, oh, it's okay that you're gay, but it's not okay that you didn't tell me, like you said, a random stranger or an acquaintance. Um, But David's response yeah, you and me both. Basically, like I wish that I would have done that now because now I feel like a complete idiot. Yeah. Um, and he like he can't catch a break in that sense. And like I think the he's being now like his he feels like his world is kind of like closing in on him in a sense, or like the 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 chickens have come home to roost as far mm-hmm. as the secret, and he's having a lot of problems, whether it's in his personal life with his mom, whether it's you know, within his uh, professional life with these people, he's having problems being his full self. He had like that moment of incredible success when he makes the speech. But then now his like the way he treats his sexuality is like making him feel deficient again. And is like it's doubling down this like repression and shame that he feels enough that he even when he tries to just like do this very normal act, obviously not great and not normal and not legal to do it in a parking lot. um, It's like once again, like his the fact that he's gay is like creating problems for him. But it's by his but it's by his like because it's like why what would the problem be with him taking this guy back? I mean I I get it. You're at a work event. Like it's it's not even necessarily but he's used to it's so new for him. Right. As of a few episodes ago, he had never had someone like home, you know, between certain hours or whatever. So he's already like breaking some of his rules and the idea here that like he's not he wants to be extra careful because he's used to being careful. It's it's silly. I agree because it's literally Vegas. If there's anywhere that you right. can be anonymous with bringing a sex worker in to like a hotel room, I would imagine that it's it's Vegas. And just and just go up at different times. Just be like, this yes. Is my room. Nobody even has to see you walk in together. Like, That's basic. Like, That's basic spycraft. <laughs> Yeah, um, and everybody knows what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, David. Come on, get with the program. Um, But this is not going to stay in Vegas because Homeboy had to get Keith involved. And (laughs) it's really sad because in the moment, I'm like, who can he call once he gets arrested? Because even if he did decide to call Nate, there's no guarantee that Nate's going to be in his room. And if you only get the one phone call... Then like, True. you know, and I and I would argue for sure. I don't I'm, I think that's like a generous read. I would argue for sure that he's like uncomfortable with telling Nate. But I think the the calculus of only having one call complicates it even further. And he's like, OK, boring Keith will be home. <laughs> he 100 percent should have called Nate. Like the only good argument is that Nate was maybe not in his room, which you just raised. And I guess like, but they do have cell phones. Nate does have a cell phone. That's true. And and it's so early. He probably, David is a, is like a, a detail oriented uh, freak as Nate called him. And he probably knows David's uh, Nate's number. So no, he should have, he should have called Nate. Obviously if he calls Nate, Nate is going to be a huge butthead about it. He's Mm going to say the dumbest things. He's going to make comments for the rest of your life. And that sucks. But that is a better choice than your police officer ex-boyfriend. Yeah, this is like very um, selfish that he does this, but it's just, it's, and it's definitely the more compelling. Cry for help. It's like desperate cry. It's like, look at me. I'm so wounded without you. 
Yeah, it, it's definitely like the more narratively compelling choice, I would yeah. say for me, because you kind of don't know, but I like kind of assumed it was like, it's it's probably going to be Keith. And then Keith shows up and thankfully he's like, listen, I pulled all my strings and, you know, my cop friends are going to keep, you know, you out of, you know, the, the charges are dropped and they're going to be expunged off the record, all these things um, that Nate probably couldn't have done. But at the end of the day, you know, Keith doesn't really want Keith is happy to be there for him on like a person level to do this for him. But now he's like, you've kind of uh, you've kind of gone too far. And I don't I don't want to see you when like nature uh, when David tries to like hug him. Uh, Keith, mm-hmm. is, he recoils and he's like, absolutely not. You're gross. Yeah. And if he's like trying to eventually work his way back to Keith, like this is not doing you any favors, David. No, no, it's it's really sad. And he ends the it's it's so it's so sad and kind of sweet the way he ends the episode, like in the back of his quote unquote dad's car mm-hmm. as he like rests his head. Uh, yeah. He's just happy to be in the car and not be and no longer be in jail yeah. for the night. Um, oh, Nate would have loved to get this call. He would have been as giddy as as a schoolboy. Uh, it would have been hilarious. Would have been incredible. Uh, but speaking of Nate mm-hmm. and people not doing themselves any favors, we have Nate and Brenda and uh, our dear friend, Billy, who is not doing himself any favors here by literally stalking and following his sister and her boyfriend to Vegas. When I saw him in the background, I was oh like, oh, hell no. I had kind of remember like it rang a bell i didn't remember yeah. that it was like specifically here but i was like oh my god is he gonna follow the oh there he is he's in yeah Vegas. we had the where was waldo game last time with where is nate pissing and this is like where is billy stalking in the background yeah. this is like very terrifying behavior it it really is it's it's disturbing because you know this is his this is his sister and he's acting like it's almost like more complicated and scary to like not know what he wants to do or like what his aim like obviously at the end of the day his his like first and foremost goal is just to like be around his sister like he doesn't want to be separated from her so he's going to follow her but like the idea of if it were just Nate there's almost like a less complicated nefarious reason, right. but because it's Brenda, it's like, what does this mean? What's going to happen? What is it that he wants? Like ultimately mm-hmm. what is it that he's looking for? And he, you know, once he appears to Brenda finally, where he kind of like very playfully stupidly approaches her at the table. And she's like, Oh my God, you got to be kidding me. And she walks away. He's like, Hey, you know, this is just a coincidence. What are the chances that like I ran into you in Vegas? Yeah. Like, give me a break. Yeah, she calls him a selfish, narcissistic liar, um, which checks out. Um, <laughs> he he like so, you know, we we get the impression here that like ever since Brenda um, you know, that Brenda hasn't been taught like she's kind of after getting this news from her parents, she's kind of cut Billy out, has not been answering his calls. Um, He tells her that, like, her parents were lying, that, like, denies everything that they said. Um, She tells him that dad showed her what he wrote. Um, He claims that he was just kidding. And then this is (laughs) what... JK, (laughs) JK. 
Um, and then this is what like Nate shows up and goes like full tough guy and tells Billy to F off and like gets physical with him. Um, it's uh I mean, it's it's really like the the fascinating thing about these scenes is it's like really the what the, what this show does with like Billy and Brenda's relationship. And like we've talked about how it's like it's definitely uncomfortably sexual, but Billy's like possessiveness of Brenda yeah. really reads as like romantic. And this really reads as this is some sort of love triangle that she's yeah. in where like Nate is very explicitly a threat to Billy because of his relationship with Brenda. And like, obviously that doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, but there's mm -hmm. something about like these men fighting over her that like mm -hmm. really feels like it has a romantic overtone. Absolutely. And like the, the possessiveness, like you said, on, on, on the Billy side of it, it just feels extra charged in that way that you're mm -hmm. referring to. And obviously like the show is, you know, there's like you said, this, the, the idea of the love triangle is something like tried and true in in across multiple genres, whether it's, you know, drama, comedy, whatever. And here they're definitely like leaning on that trope, but like complicating it in this way. Mm -hmm. And it just feels as usual with them icky and complicated and like, not at all in a way it's like, it feels like it'll always be unknowable to us. Like no matter how yeah, much explanation yeah. we get, it just kind of doesn't make sense or less so whether it makes sense, but it's just like, it, it's be, it kind of defies understanding in a way because of how really messed up their, their childhoods were and how they affected each other. And here Brenda takes him to task for like, do you realize what, and we talked about this, do you realize like what I gave up for you? Mm -hmm. What, you know, how my life could have been different and the whole time you were lying? Like, it, and, you know, in fairness to her, it's not that she gave up the thing because she was happy to do it when, when you know, it was for the reason that was presented to her. But then all these years later, she has been lied to by him, most importantly. Mm -hmm. Her parents is one thing, she's used to that. But like for it to have been him and him allow that lie to to live on, obviously you could argue, you know, it was it was beneficial to him. So why would he have come clean? Because she treated him differently than she would have otherwise. And and he's continued to use it like as leverage over her, like the threat of his um, of his safety has been something he's like held over her head and he's used it to keep her closer to him. Um, mm -hmm. So she obviously has a lot of resentment for that and is processing it um, again, though, with like the weirdly kind of um, romantic jealousy overtones of it later. Brenda says to Nate that he was great standing up to Billy. She felt like a white trash girlfriend whose boyfriend is the biggest badass. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, you, the show is like not shy from, from those mm -hmm. like, connotations and i love that like nate can be a badass in his like tight jeans and like the tucked yes. in blousey like button down that feels very like late 90s early thousands it's very of a time mm -hmm. but nate will not let that stop him no. don't forget the blousey uh tucked in shirt that i have on and my sideburns i'm a <laughs> badass he really is like we remember his muscle shirt oh those <laughs> now now ago. it's just now more and more fondly based on <laughs> on the fashion in this episode um but i do love 
I do love the interactions between the three Vegas characters. Like, I think there's like a really fun, you know, just component of like Brenda being there just for fun. We know she likes to put on a play like what we saw when her and Nate went to the different funeral homes and here she's oh too happy to pick up someone's name and pretend to be someone else. Like the look on her face when she walks into that room, she's like, yes, this is where I do my best work. It's, it is, Um, it is really wild. Like I was thinking about this. I was like, would I bring somebody to one of my conference sessions. I'm like, it's so boring. It's so way, boring. The way Nate's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's cool if you come. Nate, you, uh, David, you don't mind, right? Like he's, he, he couldn't care any it's less. really weird. It's like the fact that Nate is like such an airhead who like will go along with anything is mm-hmm. like uh, enables this to happen. And then the fact that Brenda is such a freak that she's like, this is a great sociological experiment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll fit through this like incredibly boring session um and i just, love the like, shot i yeah. love the shot of them doing a shot where she gets the three of them alcohol and she's like bottoms up and they're all three of them oh so happy to just like take the shot in unison it was like really fun i'm like yeah, yeah look at these cute. three because like cool. how how miserable would this trip be if it was just nate and david like they would have <laughs> no fun at all <laughs> it would be yeah it, she's definitely like this this you know social buffer for them and in their interactions that i think works really well i think that it was like a really smart narrative trick that they pull off here uh because who knows how they, they probably would have had like a lot more scenes of uh not much happening let's be honest right. they would have cut out a lot of the vegas storyline if it had just been david yeah. and Nate. i'm sorry yeah. But the the Brendan component obviously complicates things for Nate. But I think there's a way in which like David feels like he can be maybe a little bit more of himself because Nate is off to one side kind of with Brenda, but also simultaneously feels like he's, you know, because Brenda's an outsider, he might feel like a little bit more repressed but it doesn't stop him in in his speech like we said he makes a rousing speech and you could argue that like brenda's presence maybe like activates him in a way no i think that brenda is like the the sex surrogate of going to conferences (laughs) with your sibling that's a business business. put it on a business business. card make a Um, qr code put it on the back of a pamphlet mm -hmm. i think think that's everything anything else vegas before we transition back to yeah let's back to home yeah let's talk about what claire has going on because she also goes on a trip in this episode Mm -hmm. ariel she goes all the way to i think it's barstow barstow thank you i was about to say somewhere stupid like san lucas or a place that doesn't (laughs) exist um but yeah she she makes it a point that she's like i'm i came all the way to barstow i'm not leaving yet i she slept in her car she goes to see gabe like we saw you know she's concerned about him she's calling his mother at all times which you know she doesn't want to do because you know his mom is is not very polite and is not welcoming she's not very polite and she finally picks up the phone and she's like oh yeah you know we don't hear her side of it we just hear claire's reaction but basically Gabe is in the hospital. Ooh, yeah, you've been calling me a million times, but I'm just telling you now, Gabe is in the hospital and uh, he's okay, seemingly, but Claire, of course, feels like she needs to to go there because she's the one that has been able to suss out that, like, this thing that happened to him was not an accident, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Claire is just like the little baby moth flying directly into the flame here. It's like nobody asked her to do this. She's like just putting, inserting herself into the situation with this person who is like spiraling out of control. This is somebody that she like, you know, a few episodes ago had like a one night stand with. He like blows her S up all over school. It's mm-hmm. a bad scene. She yeah. puts a severed foot in his locker. And now after he loses his brother and goes and 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 overdoses on speed and heroin, she's like, I'm going to make you my boyfriend. Ariel, this is so bad. I'm so worried about little baby Claire. It's 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 really rough because all is this Claire- a story you tell to the grandkids? <laughs> So I put a foot in grandpa's locker and then I drove to Barstow all night and I got an egg McMuffin, but it was cold. But it was cold and he didn't like that. No. And uh, great Graham kicked me out, but I stayed. Like, but I no. stayed because I had brought magazines uh, and she went to go get cigarettes. And I know you don't know what those things are, kids, but cigarettes used to be were, a big thing. They were back like in the day. They were like paper jewels. Um, <laughs> they really were just paper jewels. Um, the way that that I've I loved Claire's conversation with Ruth that they have yes. because they go. This is you know there, there's a Ruth. Uh, component to the to the conversation that we'll yeah. get to where she's talking about being a control freak but like the part where she where Claire reveals where she was that she was in Barstow because this is again like Claire wanting mm-hmm. to to be honest and like you know be a little bit more open with her mom and she tells him about she tells her mom about Gabe she tells her that like you know, he was in the hospital and this horrible thing happened. You know, she she says that it was not on purpose. You know, what happened to him is accident. But his her her mom is like, you need to stay away from him. And it's, yeah, you know, it's really just Ruth being Ruth. Like there's, you know, the there's no nuance in her in her takes and her opinions. But it's, you know, it you can't help but feel in this moment like, you know, maybe listen to Ruth. She probably could be saying it for the wrong reasons, but like to your point, I'm worried about Claire. yeah, I'm worried and about I don't her think getting she's... so invested in this relationship, right? And I don't think she's saying it for the wrong reason. Like Ruth says, "Well, let you know, let his family like worry about this," and you know, Claire is like, "He has no one," and that's um, the part where she's taking on the responsibility. Like, yes, like, and nobody like... else can do it. It has to be me. So she's put herself in this in this situation where she's like the only person who can save save this this boy and Ruth is you know obviously really concerned like if this was an intentional thing it could happen again and she doesn't want to see Claire like put herself in a situation where she's just going to get heartbroken um yeah. so i mean and and again it's like what does Claire love about Gabe like, what has he given her? Like, what have we seen in their relationship that shows them connecting in a way that, like, leads to falling in love? And I think it's really just his his neediness and his desperation yeah. and his sadness. And those are the wrong reasons, girl. Those are – that's, like, not love. That's Claire looking for some kind of 
codependence. Like if this person is alone enough, they will need me and I want to feel needed. And it's just, you know, it's just a, a really, it, it looks like the beginning of a really unhealthy relationship dynamic but you know it's claire's i think you know it 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 fits with her character it fits with the age that she's at the stage of development her history it all it all makes sense but that doesn't make it any more ill-advised no yeah it's a it's a not a great foundation for a relationship to put it mildly i agree because it's like it's a timing issue and like is is he even in a place where he can properly commit to anything uh as far as starting a relationship you can argue no and probably should argue no and i think it's like you said it's like she is happy to be his lifeline you Mm -hmm. know but like it's that's too much. That's too much for one person. That's certainly too much for like a romantic relationship. That's what it's Brenda incredible. and Billy have. And how, Ooh. how has that worked out? Yeah. It's, it's, you can't, you, that cannot sustain long-term. Uh, and it's probably not, uh, I mean, it's certainly not a healthy thing, but it could actually be like an unsafe thing for both of them. Yeah, right. Right. Ways. So that's little baby Claire. Um, that's Claire. Should we talk about should we talk about Ruth? Yeah, let's let's talk about Ruth before we 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 finish up with Brico. Mm-hmm. Um Ruth has to learn how to breathe. Like Ruth, go go breathe. She doesn't know how to breathe at all, like you said in the beginning, where she hoses that guy down that David yes. that David has over. And then she's she's completely insulted when she's told that her flower arrangements are too, uh, too funereal. funereal. It sounds a lot like venereal, but it's mm-hmm. a different word. Yeah, um, and she just yeah. don't talk to Ruth about that. What do we think about this class that that Ruth takes? Like this instructor. This is hilarious. This is like primo six feet under content this is like where they do their best work with like this completely silly instructor who you know i i felt like all the advice was good i was like yeah mallet that get the you know open the open the vein or whatever that's all that all makes (laughs) but ruth knew she knew that stuff like she knows she has the knowledge she she knows the technical stuff it's the aesthetics and the feeling yeah that she was lacking like i do feel like this instructor was a little bit like almost like a bizarro ruth like in Mm -hmm. another dimension like ruth could be like if you just give ruth some sage job Wart and like a few meditation <laughs> classes. She's almost there. Um, what is she the just moments- needs to like like uh raise the pitch in her voice a tiny bit, uh, yeah. and she'd be closer. But the instructor even says, like, oh, I used to be like you. I know, I believe it. I loved my favorite line here was when the instructor is telling her that she's breathing from up here and she should be breathing from down here. And Ruth just replies, But my lungs are here. <laughs> Again, Ruth has all the knowledge. She's very intelligent. She knows where her lungs are. But that's not what we're talking about, Ruth. She's like, I'm speaking metaphorically, which I'm not sure is a language that Ruth can speak. No, no. 
But yeah, she she she's very studious about like practicing the breathing, and we hear her do it. Like I love the little like points later in the episode where we mm-hmm. hear her like <sighs> she she's cannot like... do it subtly. She has <laughs> to be all she is all in on the breathing from her, you know, from her diaphragm, from her uh, mm-hmm. from perhaps below the diaphragm, from her from her stomach, from her gut, you know, which is where her uh, her instructor tells her about you know the mm-hmm. intuition and all that. But um. Yeah, the the very pronounced, over exaggerated breathing that Claire uh, that Ruth is doing at all times during the episode for the rest of the episode is truly hilarious, because it is you know it's funny but it's also really sweet and endearing to like watch her try like she's trying. I love how earnestly Ruth tries, and like Nikolai gave her a note, and Ruth is going to take that note. Uh-huh. She goes to the class, <laughs> and she has like her epiphany, and she gets like all like free flowing and impression like she she does she gets it she has that like moment of inspiration mm-hmm. and she does it and um and Robbie at, at <laughs> floral shop is I none too happy about this I love this little caddy rivalry mm-hmm. that is starting to develop between because Robbie and Robbie knows exactly what's going on he's like look and it's in in a way maybe not in this episode but for the most part I would say it's like it has less to do with Ruth's ability and more just like with the relationship of what's happening and what he perceives as like favoritism and all that. And that's fair. But in this case, it's very much Robbie's like, look, I've seen your arrangements and it's, I forgot what he exactly says, but, but the gist of it is like, not all events are funerals and you can't. And this is also hilarious and sad in a way to like consider that Ruth not so long ago had her like, flower reawakening so i feel like it was a rude awakening for her to be told that yes you have this new beautiful relationship with flowers and you're having such a good time arranging them but you're still falling short of like what actual joy looks like which is hilarious yeah but she's willing to learn and like always no thanks to robbie who could be teaching her be teaching her um so i mean again like we've been really enjoying ruth's journey throughout these episodes of finding herself and she still has a long way to go as evidenced by her reactions to david at the beginning of the episode but i love somebody who can take a note who can go and work on it and make progress and like ruth is is doing that and we love her for it we stand. We stand an educated mm-hmm. monster. No. <laughs> she has a diploma. She has a diploma from flower school. I don't have a diploma from flower school. <laughs> Nikolai is so stupid <laughs> in the best way. He's just yeah. like so. It's like a dog, like almost like a dog who has something in front of his face. And like all he can think about and see is that thing that's like right in front of him. And that's like mm-hmm. the most important thing in the moment. It's really funny. And like Robbie, I'm sure, has oh. seen it in all kinds of different ways. I think he said like 20 years or something. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been doing a ranger for yes. 20 years, maybe not all for Nikolai, but um, I'm sure he's seen a lot as far as uh, Nikolai's history. Ra- Robbie is very world weary. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie has been to Vegas with Nikolai mm. and he knows he knows how bad things can get. Um, all right. Let's uh, round out the episode by talking about, I think, what was the most, I think, affecting plot line for me, which was Rico and his uh, and Vanessa expecting the baby. Um, yeah. We've already talked about this Um a little bit in our lead up, you know, preparing the funeral for baby Dylan. I mean, just the way that they have this, these new parents who are just like, I mean, and I'll like 
you know, and I, I hate to draw so much on my experience, but like those first cup few months when you're home with the baby, it's like you're just in this kind of like crazy haze where yeah. you're like, you know, you're not sleeping. Everything is so new and changing. Like you're really sort of just not yourself. Like you don't, your, 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 your connection to reality is already so tenuous. And then just to have something so unexpected and so tragic mm -hmm. happen. And you go from like having all of your energy wrapped up in caring for this child to like, we're planning a funeral for people who haven't even met this baby. Like now I'm dealing with the end when I was just dealing with the beginning yeah. and like this, this poor couple, like they're, you know, just completely untethered at this point. And Rico is the only person there to deal with all of this while he is preoccupied with worrying about Vanessa and his like, expected child so it's it's just i mean oh this was so gut-wrenching this was so hard to watch and like yeah. we talked about this with the um anthony demas funeral but just like the show the way it's like so unforgiving and like we see like the like we see like parts of like like we see the baby's feet it's just like yeah. oh my god it was it, it so so this is like what Rico is dealing with, and then Vanessa has her ultrasound appointment, and we find out that the baby is doing fine, but Vanessa has preeclampsia, um, which is a um, you know a, a fairly common um, condition that develops during pregnancy that um, has to do with blood pressure. And when um, and I've known uh, a number of expecting parents who've had this diagnosis and then like you the the doctors like recommend bed rest um yeah. and so like and she's a nurse she's a I, nurse I and she has a toddler like it's yeah. like like it's it's one of those things that's like okay that's easier said than done like i'm just yeah. not going to like feed my other don't child. do anything so like oh we can't like have an income anymore as a family like it's just it's it's advice that's like impossible to keep to to keep and like you yeah. know at some point Rico says well why doesn't your sister do that and like she's got like a role on like some as some extra yeah. <laughs> she's got lines and everything lines and everything so I think she even mentions Nicolas Cage uh <laughs> which is hilarious um but uh yeah this is all this is all a lot like to the you know the same along the same vein as like the other the parents at the beginning of the episode mm -hmm. it's just like a lot to to go through even having the kid um and you know i know about some you know some issues with like my my nieces and nephew my, i mean my niece and nephew um that uh my sister-in-law had to go through it's like it all feels so real and it all yeah. can get very serious and scary very quickly and um it's it's hard to like reconcile like the way you have done things for your entire life and now you have mm -hmm. to kind of like change in these in these big and small ways um i think that uh i couldn't i couldn't stop thinking about like the david part of it like should he have been more sensitive should he have like foreseen right. rico he does to his credit i mean again this is like the thing you're putting the onus on on Rico mm -hmm. to speak up about it. But like he does ask Rico, he's like, do you think you can handle it? And Rico's like, yes, yes. And it does seem in the moment like Rico genuinely believes that he could. Right. That he can. Um, but it's just 
it's rough. Like I, the the parts that were like really sad and like sweet for me was when like Rico was like touching the little fingers. Oh you already God, talked about yeah. the little feet, but like he can't stop. Like, and then he even does. This is like I, for me, like unintentionally funny. He's like pulling on the thumb, and the little kid is giving like a the mm. freaking child. It's not even a little kid; it's mm -hmm. a newborn infant is giving yeah. like a little thumbs up. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this is sweet. Like the kid. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, it's like, really yeah. It's it's yeah. It's it's really hard. And like Rico and Vanessa like have some sweet moments. I mean, Vanessa is so strong and independent, and like she's such a emotional rock. Mm -hmm. for Rico like you really get that in this relationship um and you know she like she says to him you know some babies aren't meant for this world but this one is and mm -hmm. like she just has that faith to kind of carry the family and then they have the emergency c-section delivery scene and there's like the couple of seconds where you don't know if the baby's going to be okay and then the yeah. baby is okay and it's just I like a lot of gray's anatomy so i knew it was happening i was like okay now they have to take the baby they have to like aspirate yes. the nose like it's like a whole thing um it was scary though it's like the scary. scary yeah and that that happened with my with my first and it was scary because at first you're like oh okay we i delivered a baby and then you're like wait why don't i why don't i hear right the baby you're and the baby yeah. crying <laughs> the baby crying i um, um the you you had spoken about this earlier about like Vanessa's like ownership of her body like mm. the scene where they're talking about they're in the kitchen and he's like I'm not just worried about you and then like he's he's talking about the baby and she's talking about the baby but like there's a way in which she is trying this it was like such a fascinating and at, at the end of the day like a very sweet moment even though it's like very charged for her to understand that he's worried about the baby but it like is her body she's right. housing the baby so she's right. trying to she you can see her literally in her head like take a step back and be like okay i understand what's going on here it's complicated but like mm -hmm. this at the end of the day what i love about them their relationship is like they do seem to come at things from a place of love at all times and yes. like trying to be supportive. And even when things get emotionally charged and, um, you know, I can, I can say this as a Latin person, you know, things get like extra heated a little bit and like, they're just like, the emotions get in the way and she's pregnant. There are a lot of hormones. Yeah, yeah. That's literally nothing more human than that. Um, but I loved, I just loved that moment where like, it almost felt like a big reveal. He's like, I'm not just worried about you. And he's like, oh my God, the baby. But it's like, also me. It's like my yes. thing. It's so complicated. I feel like there's not. It's very complicated. It's, yeah. There's no other situation like this. Yeah. They're so healthy and so loving that they can communicate through all of this. But like, it is like, it is very complicated to be like, you know, it. It, like to have this experience of like not only having your own personhood that you're responsible for, but also like being a vessel for another human yeah. being and like the way that people treat you and your decisions as like, well, that's not just your health, Missy. You also have <laughs> that unborn baby. And it's like yeah. that is tough to have because people use that rationale to like control women's bodies. Yeah. And like even in a couple relationships sometimes it can be like, hey, like I want to carry this upstairs by myself. So let me do that. Right, right, and right. and like, even something as small as that. Even something as small as that. And then like when you have when you get one of these like diagnoses, 
um, prenatally, like when you're at, when you, when something happens and you have like extra monitoring or extra precautions, um, it's, it's tough because we're used to getting health advice and then being able to say like, oh, well, I'm going to take that advice or I'm going to take parts of it and ignore other parts of it. And it's okay. Cause I'm only making decisions for myself. But once like, you're also making decisions that affect the health of like an unborn child, it gets really complicated and really layered. And like, what does the other parent have to say about all of that? So like the fact that Vanessa and Rico can like communicate through all of that is like so yeah. lovely and beautiful and is like a testament to how healthy of a relationship they have that would stand out in almost any context, but against like the context of oh, everybody God. else in six feet under, it's uh -huh. like such a shining beacon of light. And thank God this episode gives us healthy baby Augustus at the end of the episode, because if we had to wait another episode to find out if this baby is okay, like I would have no. like started throwing things. That's just torture. Mm -hmm. uh, and thankfully we don't have to baby Augusto is born and he cried. And I wrote, I cry. Cause oh. it was so sweet. Like all the, certainly like to see Rico's face after everything he went through this episode and all the like worrying and obviously Vanessa was worrying, but like, him having to do the funeral alone and deal with these people and like the whole emotional, you know, gamut that he had to, that he had to live through. And now for him to be looking at the baby and it's a healthy baby and such, such sweet relief, even though they'll never sleep yeah. again. It was, it was very, very, it was make very sweet. And like, him you said, a great partner, make him partner. You cowards. <laughs> Make him partner. Justice for Rico. Justice for Rico. At least he can be a partner in his relationship, if not in his business. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's everything. Yeah. Season one, episode 11. Wow. This was final three. This was the anti-penultimate. This was the last boot. This person has now been eliminated, and we are mm -hmm. down to the final two. Wow. Which is wild. Uh, but yeah, you should, uh, stay subscribed, visit pushrecups.com slash subscribe for all of our coverage, um, including other things that don't, uh, include six feet under, which is crazy to think about. I thought it was all just six feet under all the time <laughs> around here. If you want the titanium package, uh, ad free patreon.com slash post show recaps, uh, maybe you can get that, the fanciest one that we saw in this episode oh, with wow. like the the I believe it was like the Last Supper painted on to the to that casket. That was wild. Beautiful. Uh, until next yeah. time. What, 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 yeah. Well, what do I have going on, Ariel? Yeah, that's okay. what I was going to ask. <laughs> um, well, I am covering uh, The Curse with Grace Leader. Um, we're having a great time uh, covering that show. You can check it out on Showtime or Showtime with Paramount Plus. Um, and um, yeah, Grace and I are talking about that every week on Post Show Recaps. And you can keep up with everything I'm doing, as always, by following me on Twitter, where I am at Dr. Amanda R. And how about you, Ariel? I am also on Twitter X at that other Ariel. I'm covering movies every week with Grace. Uh, new movies, not just like any random movie, literally new movies coming out in the theater at all times. It's a very busy season for us. 
and uh, also be back with a holiday-themed Grey's Anatomy episode very shortly as we get ready for that show to return, along with a lot of others in uh, in the new year. So exciting. Um, and then you and I, Ariel, are going to be back in just a few days talking about Six Feet Under Season 1, Episode 12, the penultimate episode of Season 1 called A Private Life. Wow. I can't imagine who gets privacy in this show. <laughs> and uh, until then, dear listeners, rest in peace.